Our culture loves celebrities, and whether we're talking about the old-fashioned Hollywood kind or the new school social media variety, society loves to fixate on beautiful people who've made it and haven't made. But what about Christian celebrities? Well, that's a little bit more complicated, I think. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. And before we go any further, it's true, I'm not going to be competing in the Olympics this year (laughs) because I'm taking steroids for my throat. So (laughs) for anyone who's concerned, let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) Well, as Christians, we know that no one should be idolized or worshipped, and yet sometimes We get excited when we find out some big-name celebrity also claims to love Jesus. We might know better, but it still feels good to claim someone like mm, Chris Pratt as one of our own. And it's awesome right up until the moment that that big-name celebrity says or does something that disappoints or confuses us, or our kids for that matter. So today we're going to talk about this complex relationship between being a Christian and being a celebrity and why we sometimes put those people on a pedestal, and what we do when the pedestal gets knocked down a couple of notches. Well, before we jump in, I'd also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcast. Take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering just what it's all about. And joining us for our conversation today are Paul Acey, Marcella Evans, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Are you guys excited to talk about Christian celebrities today? I have so sure. much to say. I hope that you do. <laughs> I hope that you're not lying to me. But even if you are, that's what we're going to talk about. And with that in mind, to get us started, I want to know which famous person or persons, since several of you, Paul, Jonathan, can't ever just give me one answer. <laughs> who did you idolize at some point when you were growing up? And why do you think that person appealed to you? Go. Mr. AC, I'm, oh. pick, I'm picking on oh, you. Yeah. All right. So I know you have that blank stare in your eyes, but no, that no, to no, me no. says, I want to go. I want to go. You know, the, the word idolize, as you sort of mentioned at the top, it's always such a freighted word, right? Yeah. And I never think or of just myself. Liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's one of those things where celebrity can be tricky. Yeah. Right. But I think when I was growing up, I'm a big old movie guy. Right? Big comma old movie guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, enjoy, I guess a big old movie would be like enjoy, Gone with the Wind, right? <laughs> I enjoy old movies. And one of my favorite old movie stars with this guy who Marcella had not heard of before she joined our team, Cary Grant. Oh, yeah. Oh, Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Yeah. Jonathan, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he and was... now Marcella will defend herself. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He was funny. He was suave. Yeah. I wanted to be funny. I wanted to be suave. You know, it felt like I was never going to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger type of guy. But Cary Grant, I thought it was within maybe yep, exactly. I could manage. And then I lost all my hair. and it, it, Nothing uh, was well, Jason Life Statham. is full of disappointments as we all... <laughs> We all have to play our hand, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Who wants to go next? I can go next. Okay. I'd say one of the first people that I idolized was Olympic gymnast Nastia Lukin. Oh, yeah. And I think I loved her because she seemed to be such good friends with Sean Johnson. And who doesn't want to be athletic and have good (laughs) friends who are also athletic? Right. So, yeah, I was a big fan of hers for a long time. Love it. 
John Cary Grant. Well, hmm. Not Cary yeah. Grant. Well, I mean, you know, and I was chuckling when I found out that Marcella didn't know who Cary Grant was, but I have no idea who that Olympian was. So there I go. Touche. Touche. Good one, Marcella. Uh, I guess I'll throw out the old embarrassing one that my brother would definitely uh, tell people about. When I grew up. Charlie Cassidy? <laughs> yes. You remember that one? <laughs> you remember that one? Because I've shared that. I think our listeners might remember that as well. But uh, I don't know what it was. If I liked something, I would just tell people and I'd know. <laughs> no, you know, inhibitions whatsoever. And, and I don't know, but I thought Sean Cast. I think it's because I honestly liked the Hardy Boys. Is that boys. the real answer? I think I liked the Hardy Boys. And I, wow, I was just guessing. Oh, no. Uh, see, that, w- that was, you have to go back to podcast history because I think I shared this before. You're remembering well, this. Well, maybe it was in there, but that's not what I was thinking of. I was just, <laughs> when I was, a, it was a random person I tossed out is, and it was right. That is hilarious because you <laughs> nailed it. And uh, I think our listeners could probably also remember that. But I, when I was a child, I think I liked the Hardy Boys or something. But for some reason, yeah. I bought a Sean Cassidy poster. And put it on my wall. Marcella, this would be like a guy putting up, you know, like, you know, Justin Bieber on his wall, like shirtless or something. You know, I don't know what it was. And, 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 you know, no, it was just, I liked him. I thought he was pretty cool. And so I had this like, you know, picture of him like wearing this jacket. Like, I was like, yeah, Sean. And my brother was like, dude, that's weird. You know, (laughs) all my friends had girls on the wall and stuff like that. You had Sean Cassidy. well, he I had Sean like Cassidy a girl with his long hair. He, he did, he did, and um, but that's exactly uh, who I had, and and you know I thought it was pretty cool. So there we go. Well, there you go. Well, you know who I'm not picking, and who in fact nobody ever picked in this question, yeah. Parker Stevenson, the other Hardy boy, yeah, yeah. the other Hardy boy. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, not my answer. <laughs> my answer also hails from the '70s, and that would be Lee Majors as Steve Austin, oh, yeah, absolutely, six million dollar oh, man. Yeah. I mean, sometimes when I want to blast of the 70s, I'll go to YouTube and I'll just watch the intro that has this little drum beat and does his whole story of being exactly a test pilot crashing and we have the technology. We can rebuild Or in the 80s when he was the fall guy. The fall guy. I actually really like the fall guy too. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. So I don't know. I mean, he was just cool. And I don't have any more than that. There we go. Well. Celebrities, people in the public eye, they grab our attention. And sometimes they, they capture our imagination, especially, I think, when we're kids, right? Mm-hmm. That filter is just different. And so today we're going to talk about celebrity and Christianity, two things that might seem like oil and water, right? I mean, we know that <laughs> these things probably shouldn't go together. So as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about Chris Pratt. There was a recent story about him this is the catalyst for this conversation today. You might remember Chris Pratt has talked a lot about his faith in Jesus over the last couple of years. He's talked about it at award shows. He's been seen at church. He's quoted scripture on social media. It's not just, I just want to thank God. Like it's several notches deeper than that to the point where you start to think, wow. And this is me being judgy. Maybe this guy really has a real relationship with Jesus, right? Well, Pratt's faith has been inspiring to Christians But it has drawn a lot of criticism from mainstream media. And there's actually been a campaign to get him kicked out of Guardians of the Galaxy because he allegedly, and you'll know why I say allegedly in just a moment, allegedly went to a church that doesn't affirm homosexuality as the way God designed things to be. Well, he recently came out and made some statements sort of distancing himself from that church 
And if not distancing himself from Christianity per se, still maybe trying to back away from it a little bit. So what do you think is going on these days in terms of of Chris Pratt and his public declarations of his beliefs? This is a really tricky issue, right? I I think that there's so many different ways that you could go with this conversation, but... I'll pick one. (laughs) when, when When I think about this issue, I think the very first thing that pops into my mind is Peter denying Jesus, mm. you know, uh, three times. And and I tend to put myself in Peter's shoes, you know, the pressure that he was under, the danger that he was facing. Yep. We all know what Peter should have done in that situation, right? But when we put ourselves in, in Peter's shoes, it becomes more difficult, more human in a way. And I yeah. think when you're talking about somebody's career, when you're talking about somebody who has built a career on being incredibly likable it makes tons of money. For, he has for, pet dinosaurs. He has What's pet dinosaurs. <laughs> he flies around the galaxy. He does a lot of really cool things. And it's a great life. I can understand the impulse of wanting to preserve that. Yeah. And that becomes really difficult. When, when you plant your flag as a Christian within the culture, there is danger involved with that. And I think that, that Pratt just he found that that those issues sort of catching up with him. Yeah, you know, I think it's just very tough for us because as parents, we're kind of sitting in two seats here. One, we're observing someone talk about his faith and we're seeing the edited version. We're seeing whatever, you know, uh, men's right. health chose, whichever snippets they chose. It's not for me to judge. Man, if people listen to every conversation I had, I'm sure I would look terrible as well. The The <laughs> fact is, it's not for us to judge. But if we sit in the parent seat, the mom and dad seat, and our kids, and we've grown up in a culture where they carry in their back pockets a device where they're listening to every word that celebrities say, it's hard because we're trying to teach our kids where to get good information from. And hopefully we're teaching them to get good information from God's word so they can draw from the stories that Paul just shared us about Peter and Jesus. But instead, very often, they're more concerned about what Cardi B says or what Chris Pratt says. And I think that's the trick is helping our kids navigate a world where they're gleaning truth and not necessarily looking to the Sean Cassidy's um, for for their biblical truth in the world, but that they're looking to the word for biblical truth. And when they see people out there that are in the limelight, they see them as other people that we might encounter day to day who, like us, are lost and sinful people that really need Jesus. I totally agree, Jonathan. I think that's really, really wise. Um, and I do think that we need to be mindful as parents about these issues. And as you say, Jonathan, to direct them back to the Bible as opposed to listening to the culture around them, we all know that we're all fallen, failed people. And the thing about Christianity, one of the things that when you talk about Christianity within the celebrity culture, we get really excited when we hear that somebody is a Christian, and then almost immediately we start wondering whether they're Christian enough. Mm. And I say more about that. Well, we we see what they say on social media. We hear them swear. We we see them do things that we think they should not be doing. I guess there's a place for some of that within our own relationships, right? If we have a Christian friend who is making really bad, making really bad decisions, then we can speak into their lives and suggest, you know, talk with them 
about it. And we would hope that our friends would do the same to us. But when we talk about celebrities, we don't have a relationship with them. We think we do. We think we, we do, see and that's the key them, thing, right? We see them on screen. We hear them in social media. We think that we have a relationship with them, so we feel like we have the license to we step have into ownership their lives. At some level, we exactly. Think. And and I think that we have to be really, really cautious because each of our walks with with Jesus is filled with stumbles and pitfalls and mistakes. We all relate to Jesus a little bit differently, I think. And, and, and so I think we have to be cautious about when we cast judgment on somebody. I love that you said, and then they aren't Christian enough. <laughs> this, this, yeah. this morning I was listening to a podcast from a, a pastor friend of mine who was taking apart that parable where the, you've got the um, tax collector and the Pharisee who both go into the temple to pray. And the Pharisee's sitting there saying, I do this and I do that and I, I, I. And it's funny because the Pharisees, I mean, they did almost every, they, if anybody was Christian enough, they were Christian enough, all right? You know, they did everything <laughs> right. And the tax collector, in contrast, beat his chest and said, I'm not even worthy to be here. And Jesus just lays it out that, this is how we need to approach God, realizing our own shortfall, not, you know, comparing ourselves to others. And I think that's just huge here uh, for us to dare look at Chris Pratt or anybody instead of just going, God, I really need you and help me to love other people who really need you. Yeah, I'd say part of the draw for um, celebrating popular Christian cultural figures is that we look to them to make Christianity cool, to give mm, us a yes. good reputation. That's, good. That's right. Um, and what we need to realize is that it's up to us to show who Christ is and to those around us, no matter what other Christians are doing. There's always going to be people who are failing in the church, and it's up to us to be the kind of Christian that God has called us to be. And I think a lot of the times we can get excited about Christian celebrities because they've made it in both kingdoms, so to speak. They seem oh, to have gained that. the wow. world and gained their soul. And we as Christians, we struggle with that. We want everything. We want the best of everything that we can have. But the reality is, is that we're told that the world won't recognize us as uh, Christians. Wow. That's not how it works. So we have to kind of take that step back and recognize that we have to pick ultimately. And all of those celebrities, ultimately, when they fail, they've come to that crossroads um, and they're struggling to figure out which direction to go. Wow. Drop the mic. Wow. Mic drop. I think we're done here. <laughs> well said. <laughs> uh, no, that, that was fantastic. And I think in some ways... We never quite get past junior high, right? right? And, and here's what I mean by that. If you weren't in the cool club, man, did I want anything more in junior oh, yeah. high oh, yeah. than to have the most popular girl, you know, love me back the way I loved her with love in quote marks, of course. Um, we all, I think, long for that affirmation of, yeah, we're okay. We're in the good club. But I think, Marcel, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. I mean... There are kingdoms in conflict here. And, you know, Jesus and Paul both said, essentially, I think Paul said, don't be surprised when the world hates you, yeah. you yeah. know? And, and it was very clear that there would be a cost. And I, and I love, Marcelo, the way you articulated it, that these are people who seem to have made it in both kingdoms. And, and there is, man, there's an appeal there that I think on one hand, I get it. And on another hand, my, my only other hand, 
my mind saying <laughs> it's uh it's kind of dangerous and slippery mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i love that too and i think that as we think about how this applies to parenthood you know yes. how moms and dads can be dealing with this issue i think it presents them with really good teaching opportunities, you know, because, again, going back to what Jonathan said at the very beginning of this conversation, I think that we need to be reminded, as powerful as celebrity is within our culture, that's not the culture that we should be paying attention to. Right. It's interesting. It can be fun, you know, all that sort of stuff. But we need to be mindful of where our hearts are should lay. And when we see people within the culture who take different steps than we would, it gives us an opportunity to talk through those and to understand maybe where we might fail, our own weaknesses, our own inability sometimes to follow Jesus perfectly. And it helps us to You maybe... don't follow Jesus perfectly? Oh, man. <laughs> I tell you what, even this morning. But that's another story. Um, for another podcast. For another podcast. I think that it's just so critical that we remind our kids that you started off this podcast conversation talking about idolization. Yes. Mm. That is something we just have to push away. And I think instances like this help us do that in a paradoxical sort of way. Mm -hmm. We say these are not characters to be idolized. These are people to pay attention to, potentially, but to know that they're just people just like the rest of us. And I want to make one other distinction here, because I think that we've got a couple different categories or subcategories within this conversation. Um, We've started off talking about Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt has not renounced his faith. He has not come out and said, you know, I woke up and realized Christianity was not for me and I'm walking away from it. He said some things that maybe distanced himself from a church, a particular that, church. that he had been linked to. Um, and he, you know, he tossed in the old saw about being spiritual and not religious. I'm like, oh, Chris, a little more imagination here. But anyway, that's just me being judgy in the way that we said we shouldn't be judgy. <laughs> but I think there's another category of this conversation And that is people who at one time really affirmed Jesus and now have publicly, we're not talking about behavior, we're talking about a verbal renunciation of that faith. I mean, I think about the lead singer of Hawk Nelson, who recently completely renounced his faith. Um, I think about the Jonas Brothers who were famous for wearing their purity rings, you know, now completely mocking that and saying that it was just a big publicity stunt. How do we help our kids when we're not just talking about somebody had some bad publicity or had, you know, a bad tabloid night, but when people that maybe they've looked up to actually renounce their faith and we're not making the judgment, it's there, that's in the news. How do we help them walk through that, which I think is a a little bit different than, than some of the things we've talked about so far? I think as we are navigating the stories of scripture, we're going to see great men of faith make huge mistakes. We're going to see, you know, David, who was a man after God's own heart and who was like, I mean, the king that every, you know, the lineage of Christ came from this guy and everything. But yet he blew it so big time. And he honestly, he didn't really finish well and his kids didn't either. And 
it's right there in the scripture, you know? And he's still referred to as this great guy. And his heart was good, but he was very weak. And we can learn from that. So there's so much we can learn. And as we navigate those kind of stories through scripture with our kids, our kids will learn that people aren't perfect. They almost, hopefully they won't have those expectations that we should be perfect like some Pharisee out there, but they'll see how the great men of faith uh, really, the overarching story throughout the whole Bible is God's consistency and God's perfection in the midst of very imperfect people that are very inconsistent and how much we need Jesus. It comes down to, for me, Christianity is hard. Mm. You know, it is hard. It always has been hard. It requires a great deal from you. But in the United States, I think to be a Christian is getting increasingly more difficult. Oh, for sure. Back when Jonathan was hanging up posters of Sean Cassidy, the, yeah. you know, Christianity was sort of ubiquitous, right? right? 80% of people went to church on Sunday mornings. That's down to something like 60%, 50%. Um, you find a lot more people who just say they're spiritual, not religious. They, yeah, they yeah. claim they don't know anything. They don't know if there's a God or not. I think that it becomes more difficult for us to, to really proclaim our faith proudly because we know that there's going to be cultural blowback. Mm. When we hear stories about people within the celebrity culture who are moving away from their faith, I think that's a bit of an illustration of that. It's a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment. It truly is. We need to be aware that as time goes on, to be a Christian, to be truly Christian, we will find ourselves countercultural, literally countercultural. And I think that, that it's an opportunity in a way to prepare our children for what it really means to be a Christian. Mm. And I think that's an important thing to do. I think that's a great place to bring our conversation in for a landing today. I think, um, I think it's an interesting conversation just to talk about how famous people who affirm our faith influence it in positive ways and negative ways. And if you have a child who looks up to somebody, I think the important thing is to be in conversation with them. And I think then connecting the dots back to our own faith. Here's what we believe. Here's why we believe it. Here are moments where I've had struggles or doubts. And obviously we want to be age appropriate in that. It's not, you know, open up and just have a confessional time with our kids because that may or may not be helpful for them. But we want to portray a faith that is robust, that is honest, um, so that we're not just modeling legalism. I think that's been one of the subtexts of our conversation today is the problem with legalism is it misses the heart, right? And so I think... As we talk about these things with our kids, we want to be connecting with their hearts and I think really showing our hearts in appropriate ways in terms of our own journey of faith so that they can navigate those moments where if they are disappointed with somebody's choices or beliefs, they know how to navigate that. So thanks everybody for participating in this conversation today. Well, depending on where you roam on the internet, you may have wandered across something known as fan fiction. And if you're not familiar with this phenomenon, get ready to take some notes. In our second segment today, Marcella Evans is going to talk to us about what it is and what elements parents will most want to know about. So Marcella, if I were fan fiction, 
what would I be? <laughs> well, uh, fan fiction is sort of a genre of writing online, and it's when fans of an existing franchise write about that franchise. Sometimes a book series, a TV show, a movie, sometimes even uh, living celebrities, they'll incorporate those things into their story. They don't have the rights to that thing, but their story is kind of adding to that world that has already been created. So if I wanted to create um, a new story about C-3PO and R2-D2 and I wrote that, you know, from my perspective, that would be fan fiction? Yeah. Even if you put C-3PO and R2-D2 into a coffee shop, you could do anything. Oh, I'd read that. I'd read that. I like it. I mean, I think it would be bad for the droids to drink coffee, but (laughs) I, I would read it just to find out what happened, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, it's a pretty simple concept, taking characters and stories that people love and uh as they would say on american idol making it your own dog you know sort of putting your own spin (laughs) on it what do you think draws people to create and read fan fiction and those actually feel like two different things to me um what's the draw here for people yeah i think both for creators and those who are consuming it reading it There's a big draw as far as community. It's Mm. a group of people who all love the same things, and they often talk to each other in the comments. And so it kind of allows them to find people that they relate to, sometimes over things that feel kind of obscure, that a lot of people don't like. Um, So it kind of allows them to find those people that they haven't found elsewhere. It also, we've talked about, it's a very creative experience. Uh, Reading fan fiction, you can get content that you would never have thought of that combines lots of different things that don't really seem to go together on the surface. (laughs) And uh, a lot of writers use it as like their first stage to writing fiction because you can publish whatever you want online. There's a big draw there. And just getting more immersed in the world of content because sometimes shows, they get canceled and we want more content on it. You're able to kind of take that step further to continue to enjoy those characters. And some fan fiction has actually turned into a pretty big deal, right? I mean, we've got some pretty big examples of authors that started out there. Who are some of those authors in their writings? Yeah. So for instance, The Kissing Booth was originally published one chapter at a time on a fan fiction website mm. before it was made into a book that author got big based off fan fiction. And a lot of authors have done the same where people got attached to their characters and they decided that they could do something bigger. Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. was actually originally fan fiction, right? It was. And what it was, was it based on? Twilight, Twilight, of all things. It was vampire fan so fiction. So I think that the author tweaked it a bit as it came out into publication. You don't have Edward and Bella anymore, but you do have... Other things. Other things. A lot of grey. Fifty, <laughs> 50 a lot shades. Of Different shades, actually. A lot of yes. something. But it really is an interesting phenomenon, and obviously it's not new, but it does speak, I think, to the ownership that a lot of us feel toward pop culture properties, right? We're we're more inclined to tell directors, tell writers what we think about their latest chapter. You know, The Last Jedi is a great example of that. Uh, we feel a, a great deal of Are we of really going to talk about The Last and Jedi? We're not going to because that would take up the rest of our time. <laughs> That's but, another yeah, podcast. But fair, I, fair enough. It is fascinating to me because I think that this is either a symptom of that or it might even be one of the precipitative events of that. Whoa, that's a big word. That's good. Thank you. I'm not sure if it's a real word. I think think it's precipitating (laughs) outside right now, actually. So... (laughs) Yeah, actually, the most fan fiction stories are written about Harry Potter, 
followed by Twilight, mm. followed by The Hunger Games. Oh, um, wow. But all of these things, like people get really immersed in the characters and it becomes a big part of their life. They want to continue to contribute to the story in their own way. So all of what we've said so far sounds relatively benign and or positive. Is there a dark side or issues here that parents need to be aware of? I definitely would say there are concerns um, like the Fifty Shades of Grey connection would lead us to. There is a lot of content that is more sexually explicit or just edgier than would be made into a movie or a book. So they choose to move that onto fan fiction because it's a avenue that they can explore that won't raise as much suspicion or concern amongst the general population. So a lot of the times it can get uh, pretty dark, pretty edgy. And the other thing about it is it just looks like text on a screen. Um, it's easy to feel like you can hide it. Um, so mm. I think a lot of parents kids, aren't going to be alarmed. Yeah. A lot of much. kids will think, oh, this is an easy way for me to kind of get the edgier content that Dabble like would raise concerns amongst other people if I were to That's do it um, in a different way. It can feel innocent. You know, you're just reading something based off, you know, Narnia, but it can quickly turn bad because authors don't often give you a really clear warning of what's in their story and it can get so far from what the original content was about. Yeah, and, and that can get really as you say, really graphic. I mean, going back to Fifty Shades of Grey, a lot of a lot of these stories, from what I understand, they can put characters together in romantic slash sexual shipping. Exactly, yeah. isn't that what they call it? Exactly. Non-canon ships are huge in fan fiction because if character if. Uh, fans want to see two characters together that they haven't in the show. They'll just make their own story about it. It definitely can get a little rough. I was reading a f um, through some fan fiction stories for research, and a lot of them just had the tagline, porn with plot. Um, mm. So they definitely oh, wow. can go that direction. And I think because it's so easy to hide and it can feel scary for people who do know how bad it can become, it can become kind of a taboo subject. Like we don't want to talk about fan fiction because it can get bad. But there is some fan fiction that's relatively innocent. And um, I think it's important to make those distinctions. So it's like stories in general. I mean, everything that we deal with it plugged in, in the entertainment realm at least, has to do with telling a story mm -hmm. and some stories are redemptive. Some stories are really out of bounds and some stories are a mix between the two. And so we have to help our kids to practice discernment. Yeah. And it's just one of those areas where, especially if we have younger kids, not just handing them devices and letting them have devices in their bedroom, mm -hmm. uh, you, know, for, you know, free for all with our younger kids, especially, you know, we need to just be in their lives and we can't know everything. You know, but we can do certain things like, hey, no devices in the bedroom, things like that. Those broad strokes will help them from just absolutely bathing in it 24-7 and then teaching them the truth so that they will recognize the lies when they see them. All right. Well, I think that is a great place to wind this up. It's, uh, it's definitely a real issue. And if you come across it, as always, we encourage you to be intentional, to engage to have a conversation with your child and really understand where they're at and set boundaries from there appropriately. Thanks, Marcella, and thanks everybody else for that. Well, now it's time for a part of our show we like to call Pop Culture Connection. Each week, our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. She comes in to give us some pop culture questions that force us to think deeply 
And the goal here is to come up with as many answers as possible um, so that somebody can feel good about themselves and <laughs> others can feel bad about their, their inability to come up with good answers. The and, goal really is to be Jonathan. Well, that that's, is the goal. And that's the goal. And we'll have a therapy session afterward for the losers. So um, probably not, actually. All right, Ashley, I'm, I'm uh, digressing. So I'm going to hand things off All to right. you. Adam, let's start with you. This All right, week. let's start with me. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get All a good right. one here for you. I hope so. I don't like bad ones. All right. What do you consider to be the best film score ever and why? Ooh. Oh, Ooh. so difficult. I am going to have to go with Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, Star Wars is the obvious one, but Raiders just has what I think is the perfect distillation of John Williams themes. Um, I, I think that it fits the movie so well. I think that it makes me want to be Harrison Ford. And yes, that's a real answer. Uh, it's the kind of music I can put on in the car in the morning. And when people cut me off, I can just zoom around them. I'm like, I'm playing Raiders of the Lost Ark music and I don't care about you. Nice. It was a good answer. That was a good answer. answer. It was a wrong answer. It was a wrong answer. What was the right answer, Smarty Pants? I'm hoping to get that. I'm hoping to get that question myself someday. Well, Jaws is really good too. Jaws was the right. Also, John. John John Williams is the right. John Williams, right? Well, I gave you five points on that. Well, I'll take it. That's good. It probably won't be enough, but I'll take it. Well, that was a good one. All right, Marcella. This is a good one, too. Uh-oh. Who do you think is the best hero, not a super, just a hero, a protagonist of all time, and why? My immediate answer would be Jackie Robinson. I think he was a hero oh. in so many different ways. He was an inspiration to a lot of people. Obviously, I've never met him, but I can tell you from the movie, he inspired a lot of people. He talked to people with respect towards the end of the movie that didn't like him and that did like him. And he played baseball incredibly well, really set the standard for kind of the culture shift that would come through baseball. And he just was so impactful. That was great. Nice. And the movie you're talking about is 42, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, good movie. Wow. Awesome. I, you know, I hate to say it, but our intern Marcella may be winning this entire podcast. Marcella, <laughs> she may have. Oh my goodness, she got seven points. Winning, seven yeah. points. Marcella, good job. I think that's the best I've done. That's All good. right, Paul. <gasps> All right, you can do this. All right, Paul. From the bottom of the box, let's see. You here. got your power shirt on today. It's all going to be good. <laughs> I can't wait. I seventeen. Can't wait. You're going to get seventeen. All right. Would you choose Netflix or Disney Plus and why? Disney Plus. Because one, Encanto, two, all the Marvel movies, three, Star Wars movies, four has lots of National Geographic specials, which are really cool. Five, it has some really curious um, documentaries about Disneyland and Disney World that actually my wife and I just love sitting down listening to what's going on with the small world, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, I think that, that it has a lot of, and, and they don't take things off. Netflix, they take things off, they put things back on. Disney Plus, it just stays. Nice, nice. Uh, granted, there's some difficult content there. We'll we'll give that that content caveat, but not that Netflix right. doesn't. Not have that content. Netflix well. does. Yeah, Netflix is of course the pure flicks of all uh, <laughs> of all streaming platforms. How many points? You're in the middle of the road there. You got six. Oh man, I was good trying. job. Well, trying. you got you got on that whole. 
documentary yeah. jag off to the side. I had to explain yeah, it because yeah. the documentary is really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I, I did like it. All right. Very well, good. Jonathan. All right, Jonathan. Hey, here we go. Here we go. Eight is the magic number. I could have just rattled off Marvel movies and Star Wars. You That's what have. I thought you were going to do. That would have been the easy But that would have been cheating. All right, Jonathan. That, that would have been a W. Who do you think <laughs> is the best TV show character ever and why? Definitely was Leave It to Beaver. Beaver was awesome because he had this cool brother named Wally. He had this cool mom who made him food all the time. His dad was practically perfect. He lived in that wonderful little neighborhood. He always got into these bad situations. He had this friend named Eddie Haskell. It's actually his brother's friend, but it was still pretty cool who lied all the time and somehow got away with it. It was black and white. It was well shot. The stories were actually written better than today. You know, it was also had a great musical score, not to mention... Do you even know what the musical score is? Can I ask you a question? Can you hum the musical score? I'm going to ask Jonathan a question. That's all I need. Jonathan, do you have ADD? Because I think that's an asset here. That was awesome. 11 points. Oh, Oh. my goodness. Jonathan. 11. Jonathan. You know what we need to do next time is just cut off his microphone when when he gets asked the question and then click back in with 10 seconds to go. What do you think if we gave him 15 seconds? No, no, we can't. We can't do that. We can't. Oh, but you can cut off his microphone. I, I was only kidding. I think we Jonathan should challenge what our listeners to beat Jonathan. Ooh. We could do Gen X question or Gen Z questions. Oh, Marcella yeah. would win oh, every single time. Yeah. Nice. All I right. like That'd that idea. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Well, that was fun, and I hope that as you have listened today, you have enjoyed our conversation and that it's given you some things to think about in terms of your own family and how you are processing faith together and this crazy intersection with pop culture and technology. And if you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to get our show out there. You can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. And we would also love to hear from you. What did you think about our conversation about the intersection of Christianity and celebrity? Has this been an issue in your family? Let us know, and you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram, or send us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us today. We always enjoy talking pop culture and technology with you, and we hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. I'm really fixated on the Leave it to Beaver soundtrack. I'm just <laughs> Okay. And, and the shooting. <laughs> the shooting. Yeah, it was so well shot. The, cinem- the cinematography <laughs> of Leave it to Beaver. Yes. Man, yes. I give you guys a half a so second and you're well just nice pan. shot. Nice pan over to Lawrence uh, of Ward. Arabia, Leave it to Beaver. They are equal. So anyways, wrapping up the show. Be- Beaver of Arabia. <laughs> All right, we're in deep trouble. It's it's fan fiction. Uh-huh. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, perfect for the 8 to 12-year-olds in your life, at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.